Right, I think that is it. Okay, should we get started? Amazing. Welcome to Safe House. In the studio today, we have Adam Briggs, everyone. Hi. Very excited to be here. Thank <laughs> you for having me. I'm excited. I feel like we've spoken about this for like a, for like quite a while and I've been meaning to get you on. It's all just come together. I know. I feel like I've picked the busiest time in your life as well to have you sat down talking to me on a mic. It's okay. It's nice. <laughs> I feel happy indoors and in a chair. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, I have to okay. start with pronouns. What pronouns do you use what would you like me to call you um he him or literally whatever anything as long as it's said with kindness which i know it will be perfect okay so i've been letting my guests do this thing where you kind of it can be as long or as short as you like best way to introduce yourself is to introduce yourself so do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do why you're here yeah of course um so i am adam i am a drag queen performer event producer as well as being a poet and a queer author and yeah that's kind of where i'm at at the minute I currently live in Norfolk, which is very nice and peaceful, mm. but I'm moving to Manchester very soon. So I'm excited to kind of get back involved with events and mm. drag and all of the things that I love that are a little bit trickier to do when you're living in a field. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like a city lends itself to the kind of queer situation. Yeah, there's no like old ladies honking at you like, why are you walking your dog in a crop top? <laughs> What other way is there than to walk your dog in a crop top? Come on. Exactly. Crop top, little short shorts and burks. Like, what do you expect me to wear? Trousers? No. I don't know. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So obviously you're here because you're creative. Safe House is, is a place where I like to talk to different creatives about what they do. It started in lockdown, actually, to kind of promote the people that were pushing the creative content out while it was a situation where everyone was kind of like, what the hell is going on? And it's kind of developed. And now I'm kind of talking to people who people who I've met, people who I've connected with. We haven't actually, I think I think we've met a couple times in person. Definitely, definitely we met in Manchester because we competed against each other. <laughs> We did, we did. <laughs> In the union. Um, I don't ask everybody this, but I sometimes do like to kind of pry a little bit. I like to talk about the first time I've met my guests. Um, so I would like to know what your kind of opinions of me okay. were when you first met me. What did you think? What was I... your experience of our first meeting? I remember it very vividly because it was a very stressful day, I think, for all of us. Absolutely it was. Um, it was, the, I think, it was definitely the first time they did Slightly Late Battle. Yeah, just some, some context I for the for listeners we we the first time we met was we competed in a competition called slightly late battle at the new union uh, which is great because they kind of like broadens their shows a little bit because they get to kind of see what's what's out there but yeah that's that's where we were go <laughs> and it was yeah so i was still living in the leeds because i was going to uni um and like something on my tick list for last year was to perform in manchester because that just Manchester is such a queer city. It's such mm -hmm. a vibrant city. So I was like, if I can perform in Manchester, I've done something. I've made outside of Leeds and kind of doing things I wanted to be doing. And then I saw Slightly Late Battle, so I messaged Scott and then applied and whatever. Yeah. And then went to go do it. And because I was living in Leeds, I stayed over um, in Manchester. And I remember, I think someone helped me, but it might have been me on my own, just dragging all of my bags down from the upstairs. <laughs> which, if you've ever stayed at the New Union Hotel, it is a very narrow, quite steep staircase you stayed in the hotel i stayed in the hotel oh my god that's so i don't think i've ever been in there it's actually really nice upstairs i stayed in the room that big d normally stays in <laughs> the greats the greats the legend um, room cool because i remember like taking a selfie in that bathroom and she was like that's my room <laughs> that's so funny what a weird clashing of worlds such a bizarre start to an even more bizarre day but then brought everything down 
Uh-huh. Stairs. And I was sweating my tits off already. Like everyone else looked so put together. Like they just arrived, mm. like either got out of an Uber or walk there, or whatever. And there was a little sweaty me and like a baseball cap and a face and makeup. I think in like pajama bottoms or something, putting my stuff into this room. And I started to get dressed, like put hair on, whatever. Mm. And then I think you and Viola arrived at the same time, but I'd not met either of you yet. And I was just very intimidated by because you're I'm quite a short person. Yeah. I was just very intimidated by your presence. Just being tall lanky bitches you were, like in heels already <laughs> i'm pretty sure I, I think i'm pretty sure i got i came in in everything already and just brought a suitcase with like spare shit because i didn't live that far away at the time you were wearing this really lovely dress and was just, like so tall i had hair on put together and i was like this is gonna be a lot harder than i thought <laughs> Do you know what? It was nothing what I thought it was going to be. It was completely like, I think I knew one one thing since then is that I, I don't think I've lip synced since that night because I don't, I genuinely don't do it anyway. There's only a, a handful of times that I've lip synced in drag. It's just not my thing. It's really not. And I think that night kind of like cemented that in my head. I was like, okay, <laughs> no. We're not doing that anymore. <laughs> there were so many like twists and turns, which sounds really like sure, really was there. Like sounds like something saying like a shitty dry race promo. But no, like there was the night was just very unexpected. And everyone was very lovely. Um, but yeah, but like when I initially met you, I was like really uh, intimidated. I don't know why. And I think I was just very insecure in myself and my drag. That kind of seeing you all very put together, I was like oh my god, I am not ready for this. Get me back to Leeds. I should not be here. No, but see, like, I thought that... So, I, I can't exactly remember my exact thoughts because it was such a long time ago and it was it was such a weird time because I, I'm pretty sure it was the second time I'd performed since I left and especially Angel as well. Angel had left... Must have been that week. Yeah, did she leave for the competition? Because isn't there like something where they, you're not allowed to work in other bars? Yeah, so you're not, at the time we're not allowed to work in other bars. Yeah, so she'd left, she didn't leave for the competition, but she left. And then that was her first kind of, it was it was both of our first back in the village performances. So it was kind of a lot riding on it. But no, I remember like, and I remember coming in and seeing you. And I remember that red like Cupid outfit that you had on. I love that. I love that outfit so much. So I remember being like, fuck, I need to bring nice shit if I'm going to try and compete against people. <laughs> that outfit is by favorite thing i've ever worn in drag it was made by whiplash amazing like fit like a glove very well made you can tell she is yeah she's incredible at what she does mm -hmm. i cannot sew to save my life so that i would not have been able to make it on my own no I, i'm um, not i'm not that girl at all i feel like if i had a sewing machine my life would be a lot easier but i just don't it's an, mm. another thing i don't do just add it to the list you can like repair holes in garments okay and i'm using garment as being a very extravagant word for like a t-shirt and a pair of jeans <laughs> <laughs> I've like sewn to be fair the thing that I've done most is repaired the ass on stuff because I always 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 rip the ass like I remember the outfit I was wearing for the lip sync was like a green it was like a nude bodysuit but it had a uh, green like jewels all over it and then um, for some reason the drag gods had decided that I was going to lip sync against Somersault which is not fair on any planet to be honest and I remember I was like I'm gonna have to fucking keep up with this girl and and she did something behind me and I was like fuck it I'm just gonna try and do a jump split so I did a jump split but I don't do jump splits and i'm not dressed for it so i remember hearing this like and i got off stage and then my ass was just ripped all the way back oh no. because <laughs> i didn't get to see any of this 
Because we were like still in the little back room. Do you remember we had to go around the room and find envelopes and they gave us the envelopes and we had to like open them and it was whoever had the same envelope as us. And I remember looking around the room and everyone else had different ones and I remember looking at someone was the last one to open. Yes. And I was like, fuck me. I can't even remember what I had. <laughs> that feels like so, I mean, it was only last May, but that feels like so much longer than it was. Yeah, because they've done their second time round already. So that was the first time we met, but I feel like I've, I've been following what you've been doing for quite a while anyway. So I would like to talk, we'll go back to the very beginning and talk about, no, tell you what, I haven't done what I wanted to do yet. Obviously you're creative. I always ask everyone, I'm all over the place, because creativity takes over your life and it becomes like, you kind of forget where the lines are between what you're working and what you're actually doing just because you, you love doing it. What do you do when you're not being creative? So when you're not like, you know, in drag, when you're not writing, when you're not producing shows, things like that. What is it that you are, what do you get up to? Oh, um, it's probably not a very interesting answer. <laughs> but every now and then I just need to completely shut down and like have a couple of days where I do absolutely nothing. Yeah, I feel that. Which I feel like a lot of people, yeah, I feel like a lot of people relate to that because you go, go, go. And I remember being, because of my second year of uni when I was kind of like getting started in drag and was really fortunate that I was able to do quite a few gigs and like was busy with it. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, when am I sleeping? I was like, <laughs> I'm working at like an, a day job four days a week. Yep. Somehow going to most of my classes, yep. then doing drag at some point during the week as well. And I think that's kind of why I've taken a break. I think the last time I was in drag was October. Oh, wow. That's a, like, yeah. That's a long time. I've had like a big break because I just was so overwhelmed with everything. And then this year was my final year of uni. So I was trying to write my dissertation, mm-hmm. which I did a really creative degree as well. So it was all creative writing. I basically had to write a collection of poetry and short fiction. Oh, that's which great. What was your degree? If you don't mind me asking. English lit and creative writing. Come on. Come on. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. But my counterparts were doing geography and history. And it was very straightforward. Like, you do your research, you write an essay on this. Uh-huh. With I couldn't just do it a couple hours a day here and there. It was a very all-encompassing kind of process where I was waking up at 2 a.m. and finding my laptop to change a word on a line of poem or add something into the back of something or take out a comma or something. Because it was all I could think about. Uh was my writing my notes app has the craziest shit in it because i'll be on a night out and i'll just think like i'll see something or i'll think of something or like a word sticks out to me i'm like i need this i need to write this down right this second Uh i'm gonna forget it and then i can go back and use it Mm -hmm. so i really needed to kind of take a break from everything i I quit my job in december as well actually so i could try and focus on writing and then i'd have like three days of really good writing and then they would absolutely crash yeah be in bed watching real housewives because I just needed a break. Yeah. Um, it's all, I feel like you've got to eat, sleep and breathe it though. It's, it's the same as drag is your creative writing because you're not necessarily having this nine to five where you sit down during that period and you're like, right, I'm going to have a think and I'm going to write creatively now. Like the, the thoughts just come to you. Like I'm not going to take a second and just go, right, I'm going to spend two hours and i'm gonna think about a number it just like sometimes you're just in bed or you wake up in the middle of the night or you're on your lunch break or you're on the train and and it just comes to you i feel like creative stuff you can't just like switch it off that's that's why i asked the question because i I know the answer and it's when i'm not doing creative things i'm not doing anything (laughs) yeah i mean i guess the kind of like nice answer would be like walking my dogs and going to the grocery store yeah that's not it's not a reality though is it no but have it any other way 
Like, I love being woken up in the middle of the night with, I need to write this sentence down right now. No, exactly. I completely agree. I completely agree. Okay, so I knew that you were a drag queen. And yeah. I knew that you'd done your, sh- your shows before because I've seen little posters around and about. But I didn't know you were a writer. So I want to talk about that. So why don't you tell me a little bit about <laughs> where, what kind of where it started, what you write about. Just t- tell me anything and then... I'll just ask you questions because it's it's very rare that I come into a I come into a, an episode and I don't know something already. So let's go. I'm an open book about most things on my chest, and I think as with any creative medium or any creative thing that you're doing, it's natural to be super like possess not necessarily possessive, but protective over it. I was about to say protective. So I'm very like protective of my writing. Yeah. That I've had some pieces get published. Okay. Um, like I can sit in bed and read my writing in a book. Like that's insane. It's surreal. Like if you told me that when I was 18, like just going to uni. Oh yeah, it's surreal. Like it's like. I feel like I'm going crazy when I'm looking at it. I'm like, no, this is real. And then I've got another poem coming out in a magazine in like September, October time, which is like print and online. And to be fair, this book is PDF online. It's like in my Instagram bio, actually, if anyone wants to read it. Get the plug, girl. Um, get the plug in. But I, yeah, well, I mean, it's not like I'm making any money from this. It's just a PDF document. So but read I, it see, if you want to. I'm not making any money off this. Like, not in the minute. Real tea. Until this comes out, this is just for me. I know that it's going to be important because this season specifically has been so much more in depth. But sometimes you don't need to get paid to be creative. Like, it's, it's great, ideally. Yeah. Yes, I would be paid. But it feeds the soul. Like, yeah. when you've got something exactly. tangible that you can... Ho- even a book, like, that's surreal. That's surreal. It's insane. But I know exactly what you mean. Like, with the, like I've done two seasons of a podcast mm-hmm. that I... When did I start it? it lockdown, probably similar time to you, actually. Mm-hmm. December 2020, I started. Okay. And it was interviews. I know this has gone off the topic of writing, but it, I will, we'll get back to it. Don't you worry. At some I'll, point. I'll pull you back in. But I was writing a... It was when Davina DeCampo's Christmas album came out, which is... <laughs> again, this is all related. Just stick with me here. Yep. And I was writing a piece about her, like an interview with her for the Leeds University Griffin, which is like our magazine. Yep. And I'd never met her, like didn't know her. And Giselle at the... The other just on instagram could like put us in touch with each other yep. got this like interview set up for me which was incredibly sweet of them and i interviewed davina and it was such an interesting conversation i knew it was gonna be interesting but i didn't know it was gonna be that interesting mm-hmm. and it's gonna be that in depth and that we're gonna talk about all these different things mm-hmm. that i just wasn't expecting like stuff that came up that wasn't on my questions mm-hmm. so i wrote the article whatever and then i had like this hour and a half conversation of footage on from zoom like similar to this mm-hmm. and i listened to it back and i was like this is really interesting like i need to do something with this uh-huh. so just kind of randomly decided oh i'm gonna launch a podcast mm-hmm. so that was the first episode and it wasn't even meant to be an episode and then from there it was kind of interviews with drag performers i think my favorite i've had like god my brain is so frazzled i've had like alexis michelle britta filter vinegar strokes cheddar gorgeous way before drag race uh-huh. all these really interesting people having these in-depth conversations and i was 18 19 at the time of doing all of this mm-hmm. and i think without some of those conversations it, i wouldn't have necessarily not grown up to be the person i am today but like i wouldn't be the same person that i am now because mm. i wouldn't have been able to those things i didn't even know about like i had this really really interesting conversation with cheddar about social media and lockdown and how it kind of creates these echo chambers and i was like 
oh, I feel so supported and so like enveloped in this lovely queer community because that's what I see when I go on my socials. Mm-hmm. And they kind of pro- like prompted me a bit to, you know, realize just as we feel comfortable in our queer community on social media and in person, there's an equal amount of people out there that feel at home disliking queer people. Yeah. These kind of far right, you see it every now and you see the little clashes on Twitter with people or people in the comments a reminder of, oh, just as many people out there dislike me as like me and just as many people don't think that we should have the rights that we do or the rights or that we should be getting the rights that we're fighting for is a better word so the podcast and all of that all came from this one article and without writing i would never have had that like experience yeah so kind of now with like getting stuff published and getting stuff out there and continuing to send stuff to publishers and send stuff to magazines and try and get more of my writing out there mm-hmm. kind of interested to see where it'll go from there like something really interested in that i'm hoping kind of moving to manchester brings more opportunities for is kind of performance poetry and spoken word yeah and kind of events and nightlife but also poetry and writing and drag and how that can kind of all come together and it's it's so interesting as well i feel like the the, the... if that makes sense i know that was a very long story no 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 it completely completely makes sense to me because i find that drag is a funny little thing where it's a a funny little pocket in creativity and, and performing that like ties in a lot of different things and you'll find that as, you, as you're going along you'll get inspiration from from drag that feeds into other stuff or, or the other way or vice versa the other way around so your love for drag has kind of fed your creative writing which has then made you able to create a podcast and then all these other things that you've done afterwards as well it kind of they kind of all feed into each other which is really nice you're definitely not the only queen I know that has their hand in like a stupid amount of different and, and unique pockets it's just the way it is it's just the way it is do you know what i mean i feel like there's always like definitely haven't spoken to anyone so far that that does creative writing in the way that you do so that's definitely a new one for me but i just find it interesting to hear the little the little web and connections that bring it all together it's yeah kind of everything i I mean everyone has their own creative avenues but Mm. they're always all somehow related which i find really interesting Uh uh-huh and like like you do drag and you sing and you have this podcast and all of these different things and they're kind of from the surface level they're three very different things uh-huh. but then when you kind of bring them together it's oh no this is essentially it's all about community like that's at the heart of all kind of great practice literally and what's been so nice is, is kind of bringing the the kind of at the crux of what everything is to people that's more so let me explain what i mean because i'm not explaining it very well like you take away the makeup you take away the outfits you take away the visual side of it and what you've got at the base of it is just people and i think that is what makes everything tied together so nicely is like everything is just about people and it's that's why drag is so like multifaceted and why drag queens tend to be the way you are and the way i am is because at the end of the day it's just about people yeah and that's I think, that I think that. It's, it is really interesting i was just like with what you're saying about like it is all about people the some of the best advice i've ever gotten was from giselle actually in whiplash before that very first interview with Jabina. i was really nervous about it Mm-hmm. And they were like, think of it this way. It's stripped back. You're two people on a Zoom call. There's no way. There's no makeup. There's no stage between you. There's no lights. There's no smoke machine. There's no music. You are just two people in a room or over Zoom having a conversation. Yep. And there's something really, really beautiful about that. What do you think? So doing those interviews and tying it, because you're tie, kind of tying together your creative writing because you're having to kind of obviously come up with like questions and things like that. Was there anything that you kind of got out of it that you were like, oh my God, I can't believe I've not had this yet 
but I just don't think I could, could have gone forward without it. Does that make sense? No, I completely understand what you mean. I think probably the most kind of fascinating one was the conversation with Chatter and Anna and Licorice were there as well. It was, it was really interesting as well, kind of to do the dynamic of interviewing three people with very interconnected lives and me being the like odd one out mm-hmm. of that. Like that was really interesting. Me kind of talks about that episode really focused like mental health and lockdown and all of those things, which was really interesting. I've not listened back to it since, but I would love to if I can just get over the sound of hearing my own voice. <laughs> but um, I will listen to it at some point. Something you have to come but to I'd terms love with, like, to do it quickly again now. Podcast. Yeah, I, I hated editing it back. I used to kind of slightly lazy in my style where I'd be like, we're going to go straight through. The only like reason I'd edit something would be if someone wanted something cut out. Or really, <laughs> in the episode with Jimbo, their doorbell kept going off. Right, that's so annoying. So that one was a nightmare to edit. I'd do it again. I'd focus more on the people behind the drag because when I did it, I was 18, 19. It was really more interesting kind of the drag side of it. Mm-hmm. But I think now, kind of, you know, for having my own reasons for taking a break from drag and whatever, I'd love to talk about that side of it and kind of talk about the people behind the makeup and the wig and kind of mm. get to understand that a little more. It is something I'm going to bring back at some mm-hmm. point. I think but, that, I think that's what uh, fascinates me most. Fine. Is because if you want to speak to queens, you'll kind of you'll probably have a, t- a taste of this already, but you'll know this from being in the queer scene in, in Leeds, and and you're moving here soon, so definitely will here. But you can speak to a queen, or go watch a queen, or be around drag queens in makeup and and the bravado and the character whenever you want. There's unlimited supply of that, but it's very very rare that you get to see the person behind it. And not everyone wants to give you that. I will say I have asked certain people to do the podcast, and they have just said to me it's not for me and that's absolutely fine that's no problems whatsoever but it's it's got that level of exposure to it and you kind of have to be stripped back because it is just about the voice and the person that's what i love about it so much you just get raw person and it's nice for people outside of the community to hear what we've got to say on like the base level yeah, with, like it is just fascinating to kind of see the people behind the dragon kind of realize there's a lot more going on there. And it kind of is something that isn't really shown because you think like the biggest platform for drag is drag race, you know, TV, stuff like that. But you're getting a very edited, very produced one hour of like a day and a half, two, three days. Like I don't know how long it takes to film, but with like an, a sit down interview, you have an hour of however long you have. I just think it's really fascinating. Yeah. And it's amazing that you're doing uh, this is the third season of this like it shows how much you love it and it's just a bit weird it's a bit weird but this uh, this th- this time when you were talking about the book being tangible to you the tangibility for me is people just mentioning it to me in public and i kind of freak out a little bit i was talking to sire yesterday and we were talking about that talking about this and if somebody mentions it to me or like brings it up or says they're excited for it to come out or asks to be on it even that means so much more to me than if someone's liking Instagram posts or followers or whatever else. That's my tangibility, and it it's just phenomenal. It's it's so weird, but I love it. Um, so I want to d- delve into a little bit what you've done in drag because I know that you've produced your own shows and got your own shows off the ground, which is something that I would die to do. So I want to know all about it. As far as I'm aware, no, I'll let you tell me. So you've done a couple as far as as far as I know. What was the first show that you like kind of came up with 
and put on yourself and where did it come from how did it start so the first show we produced i kind of like it was like memphis presents was kind of like the branding for it um and i wanted to do some kind of not alternative but just kind of some different option from like the main queer singing leads okay because it's quite like it's a decent size scene there's quite a few venues like it's grown a lot in the last couple of years Mm -hmm. but it's kind of difficult to get like a new star in it Right. Like it was quite difficult to break through. So I wanted to kind of do something with people that were just kind of starting to break through, people who hadn't quite broken through yet, finding to be seen in, you know, this ethos of community and having diverse lineups. Mm-hmm. So the first show was called Not Today Cupid. Yeah. I have a really bad memory. So I'm going to quickly look at the date of that. Um, I will find it but for it you. It was around very February it's 2021. 16th of Feb. Oh, 16th of Feb, because my birthday is the 17th. That's cute. So I wanted to do it as kind of like, so I was kind of like half birthday thing, half show. Uh So my like thinking was, even if it just like breaks even and covers all the costs, it's basically like a birthday party. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Was kind of my thinking behind it. So I, yeah, kind of was talking about it with a couple people when you're doing creating too many people that I was doing it. Spoke to one of my friends, Katie, who is a theater student mm-hmm. at Leeds and Service War, and she's kind of worked in a bit of production and stage running, things like that. Mm-hmm. So she helped me kind of put it all together. And I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. Like figure out how much everything was going to cost and whatever. And then, like, that's a valid possibility that no one shows up to this because it's a, like it's a Wednesday. People have things to do on a Wednesday. Uh-huh. So what if no one comes? Like, what if, what if, what if? And we sold out in, like, three weeks of ticket sales. Sick. That's so impressive. Like, Which just give yourself props was amazing. for that to begin with. First, yeah, first show. Yes. So the Not Today Cupid was the name of the show. Yep. Um, and it was in Hyde Park Book Club. It was kind of like indie venue in the Leeds student area. I love Hyde Park like, Book Club. Vibe. It's so good. It's so sick, isn't it? I love it. I love it. That's that perfect. If I could do um, it anywhere, that would be it. It's gorgeous. And they're really easy to work with. They're such a lovely venue. Mm-hmm. Um, the staff are amazing mm-hmm. and like helping get stuff ready because I was not as organized as I should have been. Um, but they were amazing, helping me decorate and stuff on the day. Yeah. And my grandparents came down. They drove like seven hours from Scotland to come be there. No way. Oh, that's so which fab. Was amazing. And they had like, yeah, two little seats in the front for them. I ended up crying one of my numbers because I was just like, looking at granny and i could see how both excited and proud and also a little bit confused that she was (laughs) that's so funny though i love that i love that that's the best but it it was amazing kind of we had two performers it was a um bella de ball who now works at bar pop i believe it was their first paid performance ever Mm, that's um same with um i met this amazing person called bracken on a night it was halloween i met them that halloween and i was like i'm thinking putting this they were dressed as juno birch phenomenal looked amazing and i was like oh do you do drag and they're like no not really (laughs) i was like you should do like you're amazing at this like you look incredible you will and Um, i'll pay you for it and you're coming in february basically and then i was like do you want to do this show i think they thought i was just kind of like drunk being like yeah come do my show but i messaged them like two days later i was like okay so here's the dates of the show here like do you want to do it like (laughs) this is the fee blah 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 and they were like are you serious and i was like yeah like i really want you to come and do this i don't know why but i just have a really good feeling yeah like you know when you can just tell that someone is super talented sometimes that's all you need yeah and you just need that like i can see something in you even if you can't see it in yourself yeah. which sounds like Absolutely. i'm some 60 year old woman saying that even though we're i think i was 19 at the time and 
they were 18 but i was like i just no no but also like you're you said before you you're giving people the the idea behind it was you wanted to kind of like give some voice or give like some opportunity to people that haven't been able to kind of break through you're giving people their first paid experience in drag that's like not everyone does that there's so much competition people do the opposite of that i know people that go to venues and tell them not to book certain people (laughs) so like your that yeah that's another um that's another moment we won't uh, we won't do that <laughs> but you're doing the complete opposite you're finding people a stage not just your own stage you're finding other people a stage uh, yeah, it was phenomenal that, I mean, if like I, work i know i see my drag again at some point i don't know if i will in the same capacity as before but if i don't i'm gonna keep producing events because that it makes mm-hmm. me really happy and like the feeling of seeing someone perform for the first time and see all of their friends that are like really enthusiastic and cheering them on in. Yeah, it was just, and I vividly remember, I don't know who it was in the crowd, but we had like a, a little like tip jar at the corner of the stage, very much an afterthought, very much. I think only one person even realized it was there, but there was mm-hmm. a, someone put a 20 pound note in it. And at the end of the show, <laughs> Like we went to empty it and that was there and Katie and I were talking about it and kind of like went around and spoke to everyone. And we were like, look, are you all happy for us to do this to Bracken and boost their fee? And everyone said yes. Every single person on that lineup was like, yes, without like, without even a thought of, oh, I want to share. Yeah. And that's what it's about. Which kind of shows that, I mean, I don't know if this is going to, this might sound a little bit arrogant, but to me, it was really validating in that, oh, I chose the right people for this lineup because look how kind these people are and they want the same thing I do. I don't think that's, I don't think that's an ego thing or like a self-validating thing because it it's, it's a testament to, because I would, as I've said before, I would love to put on my own show and obviously everyone, everyone says it. I just don't, I would like to pick your brains about it, which is kind of this little bit um self, like self, um, what's the word? Self-indulgent of me to want to talk about this with you because the things that go into just shows in general putting a lineup going to the venue working out fees sending emails back and forth about x y and z like a part of a show is picking the perfect lineup so if you feel i'm fucking buzzing with this like this has gone so well because i picked the lineup absolutely absolutely you should feel like that and that's it just it's a testament it to you I was really, yeah really proud of um and you know the fact that it sold out was just a bonus but i mean i've done other shows that didn't sell very well at all once i've lost money on but every single person on that line got paid what they were meant to get paid and i think that is uh-huh. something yeah which if you know you know um and if you don't i'm sure you will at some point um <laughs> that if you're asking someone for a service and they complete that service they should be paid for that service at the rate they agreed to do it or which is again some absolutely mm-hmm. but this see i don't know if i'm digging myself a hole no, and making no, myself no, some no, enemies I was gonna... <laughs> but no, no, no. I don't think you are. I think I think what you're you're putting out very you're putting out two very big points here. One point being pay your artists and pay them in currency. Currency, yes. And then the second point. <laughs> the second point is deposits with your invoices. Get money beforehand. Have some kind of contract in place. And that is so hard to do when it's independent shows and people who are just starting it up. Are you doing this and that for this person that you know or that person they or whatever? I have been bit on the arse so many times from accepting a gig and it coming to the day 
or accepting an opportunity or whatever, it comes to the day and then just going, oh yeah, we don't need you. And I've not that I've is prepped myself ready for insane it. insane to me that that is something that happens to people because I think with any show, with any kind of production, with any, even like if you had someone come fit a light bulb in your house or fix your bathroom or do any kind of work like that, there wouldn't be, oh, well, actually you said that was going to take you an hour and only took you 15 minutes. So I'm actually not going to pay you what I promised you. No, 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 no. You signed all of this paperwork. You signed, done you've done the, yeah, exactly. The reason it took them 15 minutes instead of an hour is because they have 15 years experience in doing that. Exactly. Exactly. And what the reason it took that person 15 minutes when it might take someone else an hour is because they've got 15 years of experience doing this. Exactly. What I was gonna what I was gonna say was that something that drag queens know, specifically drag queens know, but people often forget is that you're paying for experience, like you say. You're not just paying for the service I'm doing on the day. Part of a drag queen's fee, the fee goes up the more experience you have and the more because with experience obviously like you have to get better and the longer you go the better you get so your fee goes up if you kind of plateaued then obviously your fee's not going to go up but generally experience your fee goes up you're also paying for the outfits the makeup again i am good at makeup because i've been doing it for x amount of years i have that costume that you want specifically because i have been collecting costumes for x amount of years and I've also prepped all my tracks, practiced all my numbers, and I am waiting for my Uber. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is just crazy to me that that is an issue. Like you, you pay people. Like it's a simple. Just pay, pay people. Like I literally. <laughs> it sounds so stupid and easy, but it's you, you're right. We're laughing about it, but it's it, so like, easy. It should not be that. Like you go into the grocery store if you pick something up and walk it through a self scan. It tells you what you have to pay and you have no choice. You're paying and then you're going to leave the store. Obviously, you could steal it if you wanted to, but that's just as wrong as not paying people. Oh, it drives me crazy. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy business. Anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on because we could talk about it all day. I want to go back a little bit and talk about your kind of towards the end of the episode, talk about the future anyway and kind of like what's coming up, what's, you know, in the works and what your kind of goals are. Uh, but before we do that, I kind of I, I want to talk again about your writing and get your personal favorites out there. So, like specifically, what first of all, what kind of writing do you do? Because I don't know. So I, well, my dissertation collection was all about like queer issues and stuff like that because you kind of had to have like a research premises for it. Okay. So I was writing about the kind of research premises was filling gaps within the canon of queer literature and kind of talking about how very popular queer of uh, in the air quotes literature <laughs> such as like Call Me By Your Name was written by a straight man who brazenly no, and openly says in interviews um, that the novel was originally written about a straight couple. But he found an Andre like, Asiman. Yeah, he's straight. Yeah, wait. Let- so you're telling me it was written as as a straight couple, and then he's basically just changed the names. So he initially was writing it as a straight couple. Yeah, he has a wife called Susan. Oh, I mean, he Lord. could be bisexual. He could be pansexual. I don't know. But this <laughs> queer love story was written by a man in a heterosexual relationship. I, I don't. Is that the right thing? I think. I, anyway, I think. I'm, yeah. Um, <laughs> who basically says in interviews that. The reason he chose to write about a same-sex couple was because of the complex challenges that this brought up to his writing. This oh was, was and this was like a circle joke for this man, some egotistical <laughs> I want to write about queer people because I can sort of thing, which is incredibly yeah. frustrating that this is the 
this is the book that gets blown up and has all these don't get me wrong it's a well-written book but i think the mainstream queer literature should be written by queer people absolutely i agree and that it should be queer voices not non-queer voices um so that was kind of the process of why i started writing what i did um and i also wanted to be quite experimental my kind of line of thought with the stuff i'm working on at the minute is that like unconventional again in air quotes um, content works best with (laughs) unconventional form so kind of expressing the complexities of issues specific to the queer community such as hiv and kind of the casualization of sex and polygamy and all of these polyamory not polygamy well i don't even know what polygamy is but i don't think it's what i meant to say i'm unsure i've forgotten i can't remember what it means oh god well i meant polyamory i think polygamy is just like the same word it's just when people yeah i think so polyamorous and like monogamy polygamy it's just dating more than one person or you wouldn't think i just finished an english degree (laughs) it's the scottish in (laughs) you but i'm gonna yeah we're gonna we're gonna go with that but yeah, so I started working on how unconventional forms could work with this unconventional content and kind of express it in an interesting way. So there's stuff in there about cruising and one of the pieces that's been published in this anthology is about grinder and kind of the, not necessarily the dangers, but kind of the, yeah, actually no, the dangers kind of mentally of this sort of culture and like hookup culture and things like that and how it can be really damaging okay self-esteem and things like that and they write about queer queer stories and queer life yeah it's kind of like the 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 kind of topics that you're talking about it's kind of a juxtaposition in the sense of like you would expect poetry to be about like romance and kind of you know all the flowery bits but like the stuff you're writing about is you know it's dark and it's grimy and it's like the the bottom layer of what queer culture has to offer do you know what i mean like, not bottom layer in the sense of like that cruising and grinding uh, and uh, all those being like you know sexually expressed the stuff is wrong, that's not but it's the, the yeah what i mean by that is all this the stuff piled on top of it that people would kind of have to work through normally to get to the hidden stuff the stuff that the queer community keeps to themselves but writing it in in, in like a poetry form is kind of <laughs> i mean some people would that. argue it's more like short prose than it's poetry, um, both thematically and like structurally. But mm-hmm. I I would argue the opposite. Um, it is kind of an anti-romance, not anti-romance, but there's a collection of poems within the collection that are all about like grinder jargon and like slang. So there's one called discreet, anon, um, mask for mask, things mm-hmm. like that. All of these little words that are actually have a lot of meaning behind them and you kind of can pick apart the internalized homophobia and kind of why these terms are used and things like that. I mean, one, the other one that's in this anthology is called um, Mick 38 Wakefield. And it's about and like an imagined interaction <laughs> with this with this gentleman called Mick about like casual, casualization of like sex and dating and things like that. And some of them are funny. Some of them are funny at first. And then you realize, oh, this is actually quite dark and sad. Some of it's just sad. But like mm. being a queer person in 2023 is not all rainbows and pride and Mardi Gras. It, uh-huh. It's a slog. Yeah. And I, this is coming from like a, like a cisgender person, a cisgender like queer person. I can only imagine how difficult it is for like our trans brothers and sisters. And you oh. just the kind of radicalness that's forming in the UK and internationally around queer identity. And you can you see it's scary at the minute like on facebook yeah really scary and it like it's it's sad it's heartbreaking because it's always been there but it's i think social media and kind of the power of that is 
bringing it through. And like I mentioned earlier with that conversation with Cheddar, for me personally, my like nice little social media bubble is burst. It is yeah. not the same as it was three years ago. There is a lot no. more kind of aggressive, anti-queer content that appears in like, like Soaps Up and even in just in like the comments of posts. You see like a lot of the drag race girls working with big brands for pride campaigns. The comments are horrible. I know once, I can't remember what brand it was, but Charity Case did a reel with some brand for pride. Um, really fun, really, like, really cool. But the comments on it were horrible. These people were saying, I'm not going to buy from your makeup brand anymore. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Same with like- Oh, get Dylan a Mulvaney. grip. Yeah. Same with like Dylan Mulvaney and Bud Light. Like it is yeah. just ridiculous. And Costa, because they had um, a graphic of a trans man on a beach on one of their, I think it was a billboard or on like one of their vans or something like that. Mm. Grow up. Like people are not all the same. Like people are different. And I think we, like it sounds so simple saying it that way, but I know there's a lot of nuance to it and people have their own beliefs for whatever reasons and whatnot. But can, like, can we just be fucking nice to one another? I know. Do you know what? I don't want to be nice. I don't want to be nice to straight people. <laughs> Oh, no, not like, maybe nice isn't the right word. Can we all just, like, respect each other's existence? I'm not asking Yeah, yeah, random. just, just for, the, for the, the listeners, I am joking. I am joking. But I agree with you. Maybe, like, if just live simultaneously on the same planet. Just stop involving ourselves in other people's business, and that would be gorgeous. That's fine. I don't need to be friends with everyone. I'm not even friends with all my friends. Just kind of some base level respects across everyone would just be great to be honest i buy which is deal. not the most intellectual or eloquent way to say this but like yeah let's just go like go back, yeah, really, some point, go back to basics you run of. out of words you run out of words for it and you kind of just get exhausted and you, you may have a, an english creative writing degree you can't there's only so many words you can have for the topic and at some point you just go ugh whatever and i think sometimes i'm not gonna get in a comment argument with some random man on facebook commenting the post about sam smith that doesn't serve me that doesn't serve my life that's not the kind of energy i want to attract and be around yeah i exactly can just kind of see that like right that's this person's opinion i'm going to move on from that because i know i don't have the same opinion right we will move towards the end of the episode because i'm aware that i'm keeping you from your, your very busy life but i ask everyone towards the end to kind of look towards the future as i mentioned a little bit earlier on so writing this anthology producing all of your shows that you've done so far that we've only really touched the surface of as well. Drag, you've finished uni and you've graduated. What's next? This is a wild question. Um, what's next? For it can them? be as close or as far away in the future as, as you would like to answer this question. It could be, I'm going to eat now. <laughs> um, I think what's next for Memphis is kind of yet to be determined when I kind of get back into drag and all of that. But what's next for me in the immediate future, this delicious barbecue meal that my dad has cooked um and then i'm finishing up working on the festival season over the next couple weeks and then i'm gonna just kind of take a minute to figure out what i want to do next um and kind of i'm working backwards from to be to be confirmed yeah kind of to be confirmed i'm working backwards from manchester and i I know that's happening i've got dates for that i've got somewhere to live and all of that and then I'm just going to kind of see what that brings. I know the next, well, if, if the last three, four years has taught anyone anything, it's that you can't plan for everything and you kind of just have to go with the flow a little bit, which is really easy to say and a lot harder to, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, do in practice. But I think that's Absolutely. kind of where I'm at. I'm just going to go involve drag, involve drag. If it involves writing, it involves writing. I just know it's going to, whatever it, I'm going to end up doing, I'm going to make it work for God. me. 
I like that. I like that answer. I feel like I turned I turned into Gwyneth Paltrow at the end. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry. No, I'm I'm excited. I'm personally excited to have you here because Manchester is definitely like once you get the Manchester bug, there's no going back, and it's definitely a place where I think you'll thrive mm. as well. So very excited for that to happen. But yeah, so you know where you want to be. You're uncertain what you want to do yet but i think like spontaneity is is gold mm-hmm. i'm just really excited to you know be in a city again and be around like amazing creative people like yourself and i know being surrounded by creative energy is only going to feel mine even more so exactly. we'll see what happens exactly and at the perfect point it's just given me a little timer um so i think we'll just wrap it up there we've been terrorized by the wi-fi signal the whole way through <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's been so lovely having you on thanks for you know let me into your brain thank you so much for having me i've enjoyed it so much i mean we'll absolutely be doing this again at some point when i when you're in manchester and uh you can have your redemption story and i'll we'll actually be able to communicate a bit better the redemption <laughs> story without the wi-fi ghost <laughs> absolutely bottle of wine you know put some candles on some incense oh yeah and um we'll get a takeaway or summit and then we'll just we'll have a big gab and we'll fill in all the gaps. Oh, sounds dreamy. Lovely, lovely. Well, uh, I hope you have a nice evening and thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, thank you. I'll see you soon. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Gorge. That's it. Good. You happy? I'm happy.